It may, uh, it may, welcome. it may or may not be running. Yes, Merry Holiday Festival, everybody. <laughs> Are you recording this right now? Yeah, sure. I want to hear. I wanted to hear what it okay. sounded like. Um, what, do you, right. what do I sound I, like? In you, do I sound like I'm on the phone, or do I sound I, like uh, no? You sound like um, a radio announcer, like I, very full. So. I am full. I'm. F- I just ate a salad. You sound full. Yeah. You did. You sound full. <laughs> so, full. Yeah, so welcome. I well, I don't know. Do you want to do this like this, or do you want to do it live in the? Let's studio? see how it goes. What? What? Let's just see how this one goes. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel we should probably <laughs> welcome to a very special edition. Of recovery in the Middle Ages, uh, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat, and I'm Mike, and boy, do we and have a show boy, for you! Come on, you. you missed your cue. It's the, uh, <laughs> it's the festivist holiday, Christmas times Quantica. Yes, did you decorate a your special did you, edition? Did you decorate your pole? We did. <laughs> Yes, I, my pole has been decorated. We have the festive pole here yeah. in the studio, and um, we're all just getting ready to uh, do our uh, airing of the grievances. I, I think if you're, and, I think um, if you're a middle-aged uh, person, you you get the reference to Festivus, right? It's become it's become sort of a cultural touchstone now, right? Yeah. Yes, it is. I mean, uh, it's it so yeah, Seinfeld. I mean, has it has it extended past? The days of Seinfeld uh, being popular. I mean, only because people like me and you continue to wish people happy festivus. Yes. Whether they know what it is or not. We, uh, we, we flog it endlessly. Um, people of our certain age. Um, so I, I, do we have any young listeners, do you think? Like anybody um, under 40? I don't... <laughs> <laughs> we, we're not supposed to, in any case. It's my marketing... <laughs> targeting works at all we should not have many people under the age of 37 and a half um, that, that was my target you know that, that's the youngest we got was uh, late 30 so yeah so we're attempting to record this so uh, we've got a great um, interview with the with jed from church and other drugs yeah wanted to talk about some of the you know well christmas is the big one coming up Right. I think the, the bulk of our Judeo-Christian, uh, you know, listeners will be more on the side of Christian than Judeo. Uh-huh. Um, I, but, I don't know uh, what your crazy target marketing has gone out to, really. <laughs> but we do have Jed, and Jed is very strong in his faith. Uh, he's a Christian, and so he practices 12 steps. He's got a lot of recovery. And uh, I thought it'd be great on uh, this, you know, one of the most holy days and one of the largest religions uh, in the world that to have somebody from that point of view, uh, you know, 12 step, not just spiritual, not just group of drunks, God, but capital G O D the man upstairs, you know, is it a man? Jesus, Jesus, it's Jesus. And, and I, Wanted, you know, it is the birth of Jesus celebration uh, coming up, and I wanted to get Jed's uh, take on it, as I think he'll represent a large swath of our audience. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think that's great. I also think, you know, we should not ignore the Wiccans, for whom uh, the Chris, the uh, the solstice tree and the, the solstice. and the Yule log are, uh, you know, Christianity has borrowed quite a bit from uh, from pagan religions and certainly in terms of its uh, iconography um, with right. trees and log logs and, and mm-hmm. that sort of thing and uh, there is Hanukkah this time of year as well um, you know what what's, what's uh, Yule number one is there are no Yules is that is that, the, <laughs> is that a, I just made that up that's, that uh, well <laughs> We, we do claim to be middle-aged dads, so there you have it, folks. Dad humor. Yule number one, right. There are no yules. That's going on a T-shirt. Um, so how do you think this is going, uh, Mike? Should, we, should you bring it in-house and uh, 
and do I, it again or what do you think? What do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, um, it might be good enough. Should we just cut to the interview here, guys? What do you think? Good and good. Good enough is good uh, for this year. All right. Well, let's um, let's say I, I'd like to say it's been a blast getting to know everybody uh, through the show and getting to know Mike. And I'm thankful for I'm thankful for this podcast, and we're thankful for you guys out there. So I want to wish everybody a happy magic holiday, Yuletide blessings of the best of all you sound like you're quitting <laughs> it was great getting you know, to know you people mike it was <laughs> great getting to know you have a nice christmas we've had you know. a blast <laughs> i'm moving to florida we've had a blast haven't we <laughs> we have had a blast haven't we mike oh it's been awesome and uh you know and i and most of that is attributable to you the listener not you nat but <laughs> to you you the Me. listener <laughs> Uh, no, obviously you, I mean, I, you know, I don't know what, (laughs) I mean, we're at what episode 19 now. I I didn't expect that we would get that far. I kind of figured we would just sort of peter out after five or six, but, um, you know, thankfully there was, I'm surprised my mania kept up. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, whatever you're taking, you know, keep taking it. (laughs) Um, my, uh, I was pleasantly surprised at the number of people that listen to us on a weekly basis. So it is for you folks that we continue and for, you know, any small part of, um, help that we can put out there into the world, uh, that makes your journey easier. That's what we're all about, you know? So I hope you all have Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Uh, 2021 is bound to be better than 2020. Um, but I think it will definitely be. But we're not, we're not doing the, the New Year show yet. We're doing the Christmas show. Ah! Right. Oh my That's God. true. <laughs> See here? I know him. I know him. <laughs> that was Buddy the Elf. <laughs> Buddy the Elf. Santa is a comment. Yep. And so I think we will say goodnight and hear and enjoy. The interview. I don't know if we're going to put something at the end, but I'm thinking let's just see you next week, guys. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, let's let Jed speak for himself. Although I've got a dandy of a uh, uh, recovery in the news for next week. But anyway, we'll hold that because so you know, that'll be week, our special New the Year's newsroom, special. <laughs> yes, the newsroom is taking a break this week. Yes. Um, all right. So. So without fur- Back to you, Jed. Yes, without further ado, <laughs> here is Jed from Church and Other Drugs. I hope you like it. Excited. So excited to be back. Yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Like we're we're here in the dark on a Monday in the storeroom. And I have that guilt. I'm feeling guilty because my wife is at home with my children. She's making Chinese food, and, You know, and she's, she's being cool and everything, but she's got stuck home with the kids. I know this is a little weird, guys, because we just interrupted our show to bring you this... Probably this will get hit in the edits. We're recording a Jed's uh, interview. I, I think they know that by this point. Do right? they? We probably introduced yeah, we it. We probably talked about it for the last 20 minutes. Oh, man. This is a, this is why <laughs> we've never done this before, like a real podcast. Yeah, we're splicing yeah. things together. It's Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. I, you think we can get some uh, a couple, maybe the great Aaron Coffin Moore could, could just say a little something. Maybe we can get like a, a you know, happy holidays to covering the Middle Ages. All of our guests together to sing Silent Night. At once. Yes. yes. <laughs> just, uh, Ones that are not related to me per our... Uh, our recent what what was the hands around the world um that they we all, are the world we are the yeah. world right it's the one where bob dylan said they're looking we bored for 20 minutes we are the children okay we are, well, we are gonna be late calling jed all right you can tell you're a talented do, musician do, 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 do. oh you can yeah, <laughs> absolutely right <laughs> Is, is, that, is that clear to you? <laughs> yeah. Evidence is right in front of my Right face. in front of you. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait. I got to put the volume up on that. Are we going to hit the ground running like we're recording for the interview from the beginning? Yeah. Well, we can talk. I can remember. I can take things out. I can put things in. It's great. Just hit the button. Let's do it. Is your friend? Hello. Hi, is Jed at home? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> What's up? It's Nat and Mike. How you doing? I'm good. How are y'all doing? We're good. Thanks for, uh, I know you're, you're super busy and we've been trying to uh, put this together, but we're, I'm very excited. You know, we're, we're sort of tra- time traveling because this right now, this is going to air for our holiday festivus spectacular. So you are the featured guest, but we're not doing it I think, right. for another week or two. So this is, <laughs> yeah. So we'll let you know when it goes live, we got to splice it into other, yeah. uh, you know, you know how the sausage is made. You've been making it for a few years yourself. So yeah. Yes, indeed. So how you been hanging? How you no been holding up? There. How you been holding up in in this pandemic? Uh, how's everything going out there? Uh, it's all right, man. Um, honestly, I think it's affecting me more than I initially thought because uh, I'm a very social person, and uh, it's really like completely transformed like my life. So like I've become much more of a homebody and stuff. And like, I didn't really like the zoom meetings too much. So I've kind of trickled down to like one meeting that I go to. So I don't know, man, I'm kind of over it to be honest. Is nothing live where you are? No, no meetings or anything? No meetings in person. No, no, there are. Um, but it's looking, I mean, it's not looking good for, for the future. Uh, and I know a bunch of, there's been a bunch of cases, uh, recently in our town. So same. I don't know. Yeah. There are live ones, but I try to avoid like the giant one. Yeah. And I mean, you're going through the, I think we, we were talking, I think everybody who has a podcast and uh, actually, yeah. Why don't I welcome Jed actually Jed, um, before we go on, uh, this is Jed (laughs) from the church and other drugs podcast, which, um, I'm a fan of. And uh, listened to Jed for a while, and I, I got to know him on the Dopey Nation. Uh, and I've listened to your show, and I've listened to your interviews on other shows, and that's always a trip. Yeah, uh, listening to your favorite podcast host, like you know, like when Dave was was on Share, he was like, "Worlds collide," you know. Oh no! <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're excited to have Jed with us today um, as the uh, that awesome podcast host, and also something I'd like to know more about uh, is the work you do in in the recovery field. Um, what, what do you do, and uh, and how long have you been doing that? Yeah, so I started out. Um, I was a uh, counselor in training um, at in adolescence. Uh, residential treatment facility. So it was oh, wow. 13 to 18 year olds. Yeah. Wow. You can imagine, you can imagine that. Um, that's a crazy so that's age, like, man. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. None of them, uh, want anything to do with sobriety <laughs> at that age. But, um, I have a, a 16 year old now, but when he was 14 and 15, he, uh, developed a quite a fondness for for marijuana and talking to that kid about that, just yeah. no way. I don't know how you, you did that. One ear and oh, out yeah. the other. Uh, I w- I'm, oh, yeah. I'm glad that there are people out there who are willing to work with kids like that because it's yeah. very hard to steer that ship into another into another direction. Right. So you were in charge oh, of kids so and stuff like that? Wow. Yeah. So I, I did that for two years and then um, – Actually, because of uh, COVID, um, our facility switched to adult veterans. So we work with uh, no active duty, but all um, veterans. And it's for, they have to have a primary substance abuse, but we also uh, deal with PTSD. Um, So now I'm a a registered addictions counselor with the state of Louisiana, and I work with veterans. So that's quite that's a leap. It's quite a shift to go from <laughs> teenagers to adult veterans. Yeah, right? is there a lot of crossover to you know strategies <laughs> that work with vets that work with teenagers? I mean, yeah, there's well, you know, a, every every addict or alcoholic is just a big kid anyway. Like <laughs> they're just as uh, as so immature or entitled. Uh, stubborn. So yeah, there's, there's a good amount of crossover. Mm. So, um, 
Let's go back a little bit and uh, kind of get a sense of how you ended up being a counselor for drug and alcohol addiction. How I, did that happen? I, I've been, um, you know, I've been poking, sure. poking around on the interwebs here looking for like a bio. And, you know, usually what I what I come up with is, you know, a description of your your podcast. And it, it said that you uh, and well, I, you know, a description of you on the share podcast as surviving a wild odyssey of drug abuse, and, and repeated rehabs and incarceration. But I'm sure there's some nice detail. We could maybe flesh out that description a little bit. Yeah, we, we I was talking to Jed about how we wanted to do the interview. We're like, how much in the weeds do we want to get with Jed? Um, so if you, you don't have to go too crazy into it on this interview, um, but, you know, maybe just a little background and what brought you, you know, um, to where you uh, wanted to work with addiction or did that happen before uh, um, you got into addiction? I mean, I don't think I actually told the audience that you were also a recovered addict. We might do or that. Recovering addict. Yeah. In the intro. Oh, should have done that in the intro. We might do that in the intro. <laughs> Next time. The right. other intro. Anyway, right, right. Sorry. I, I yeah, it's all, it's all good. No, so, uh, no, I, I, when I was um, younger, I wanted to do something with art. That, that's my other passion is, is art. But, oh, yeah, you're awesome, man. I've seen um, some of your stuff on Facebook. So good. Oh, thanks. So man. jealous, yeah. man. Now, now it's the hobby. Yeah, dude. So you're into um, art, yeah. Yeah, and so so with that, I think is what kind of led me into into drugs. Really, kind of kind of the classic like uh, altered states for creativity. And all of my uh, role role models were people like Elliot Smith and Kurt Cobain and Hunter S. Thompson and mm. all that stuff. So I kind of uh, took the took the dark path. <laughs> and so I started going to rehab when I was, uh, my first outpatient was when I was 15. And then I started going inpatient when I was 17. And so, and I pretty much stayed in, in rehab from the time I was 17 till I was 27. Like wow, with, that's right. you know, six, six, I think the longest period I wasn't in treatment was two years, but wow. typically it'd be, you know, like every six to nine months. And it was because, you know, I was, you know, I never had, um, a career or like financial backing. So I was completely relying on my parents. Cause I got sent when I was so young. So whenever I would relapse, yeah. my parents would call the treatment center and be like, Hey, what do we do? And they're like, well, send them back to treatment. So <laughs> that's kind of how I just got stuck in the treatment, um, washing machine and, uh, all said and done, I went to 18 of them. Wow. So Yikes. toward the end, yeah, quite a, quite a lot toward the end. I was really, you know, uh, you know, I could, I, you know, I was helping run the groups and like, you know, I was really basically getting an education in treatment and addiction. So I was like, well, you know, I started feeling like, well, maybe, maybe this is a calling. Maybe this is kind of what I'm, what I'm supposed to do. Um, so that's kind of where that, and you know, it happens to, I think a lot of people when they get sober think that they want to, uh, be a counselor then. Yeah. Right. A what other, common thing. what other industry will forgive your neck tattoos and felony record? You know? Exactly. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Plus, it's true though. And man, like, a criminal record. Yeah, for sure. Where else so can you like just say construction worker? Yeah, that's just part of my resume. It, it gives me street cred. Um, well, and after 10 exactly. years of rehab, you're, you're, you're pretty much have a PhD yeah, in the subject. Absolutely. Anyway. I know. I think exactly. I, I thought I, I thought I did for sure. Exactly. Um, but what you'll, you know, what you'll, what you'll find though is, um, it's extremely difficult. Uh, it is like definitely the hardest, job I've ever had to do because it's, it's working with addicts. Uh, sure. you have to learn how to deal with loss. You have to, if you, you know, if you go into it thinking that you're going to save people and that you're going to get all these pats on the back and stuff, it's like, you're already coming from the wrong angle. Cause if you know, my, uh, supervisor, told me early on, he was like, you didn't cause it and you can't cure it. And you always need to remember that and mm. take your ego out of it. And a lot of what I do is just sowing seeds, right? You know, they, yep. they might not get it this time, but maybe you'll say something that'll click for them years down the road. So 
Right. It's definitely been uh, super challenging. I mean, it is rewarding. I do feel like it's what um, I'm, I'm called to do, but I, w- I would be remiss if I didn't say it's like one of the hardest things uh, I've ever ever done for sure yeah i mean that's like 12 step to the ultimate you know um taking your 12th step i should say spreading that message and putting yourself on the line like that i mean even i mean i'm even considering something like that um uh, you know and then that field as i kind of look at a career change coming up but um one thing i was thinking about um when i was just thinking about what to ask you um uh, I, I wanted to ask you if you thought that, and I've debated this with, I think, Mike before, but being a recovering or a recovered addict yourself, do you find that being around addiction, like you don't just, like I, I do this on our podcast and we talk about it every week, but you're involved in everything addiction, like all the time for work. And then you're thinking about your podcast and then, you know, like, do you find that that's like a danger zone for like relapse? Yes. I, that's a good question. Probably early on, I would have said no, not at all. Um, the longer I'm in it. Yes. Well, maybe not. Yeah, I guess you could, you could say danger for relapse, but really it's just kind of fatigue. So with meetings, it's like, I don't want to go to work after I've been at work all day. (laughs) Right. You know, and I don't want to, you know, I've just been listening to other people's issues all day. So it makes any, um, work I'm doing personally, it's, it's, it's kind of just like an extension of work. Right. And, you know, I think after, after I had a, 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 really good friend passed away from addiction. Um, I guess it was like two months ago oh, sorry to hear and that. that was when I kind of, yeah, thank you. And it, that was when I had one of the realizations where it's like, I'm like, I am pretty tired of, it's like people in the, in like any other industry, except maybe like healthcare or like the military. It's like, they're not around death and tragedy and misery and all this shit 24 seven. Right. And it's, I was really kind of hit a point where I was like, man, I'm kind of over this. Like, I don't even want to, I mean, more so than a career, but just like, yeah, yeah, like I'm tired of of being in the, (laughs) in the presence of death. As a yeah, you're like at the, the Jurassic Park two quote right, right, and it's and you're at the point in people's life when they're at one of their worst. Like, I mean, maybe mm-hmm. once once someone's been recovering at where you you're working, that's one thing. But like, you see people on intake who are basically like I was thinking about like my first day uh, in a couple of the rehabs, you know, at intake, like the kind of shape I was in, you know, and you're dealing with that, you know nonstop, right? Or just like, it's all the time. Yep. You know, so it's, it's gotta be hard. I mean, the flip side of that though is, is if you're seeing people constantly in that state, that's got to make an impression on you when you think about using, I mean, cause you you see, you see the devastation, you know, it's all the time in your face. So that's, that's a double edged sword. I would imagine. It is, it is. And then, you know, and then I'll have like one, one really good group or one really good session where like things really click and it just, it's like, Oh yeah, that, you know, that's, that's why I do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and really it's just, I've, I've found that it very much has to do with my, uh, level of, of spiritual fitness or mm-hmm. like how, how good my recovery is doing and, and just putting things, in their place. I mean, it's, it's, it's the same with, with anything else really. It's like when, when I'm firing on all cylinders, like everything's good and I'm pretty unshakable as far as like letting, uh, negativity and stuff like affect me. But it's also very difficult. Um, if you're having a bad day, cause it's just like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You still gotta, you still gotta show up and you still gotta, um, be able to kind of compartmentalize things. And, and sometimes that's tough, but I mean, it's, you know, I recently started, um, 
seeing a therapist myself again, which uh, I think oh, was I a really good that. decision because it. I mean, yeah, that's, man. That's Ther- smart. Therapy is a, <laughs> yeah. a wonderful thing. I think everybody should avail themselves of it. It should be provided, you know, on a on a local government level. I think, but that's another. Should be able to just drive in. Uh, yeah, it like you know, I, I, I agree. Everyone should have access. But that actually is a perfect segue into the question I wanted to ask you that everybody is waiting to hear. They want to know how does Jed stay uh, spiritually fit? Um, like, like what is working? Not what was working for you two months ago that you don't do anymore but like what are you have you been doing like in the last two weeks that's getting you through it's keeping you humble and sober so i think um working with other people for sure um that's that's what will kind of take me out of myself um when I'm, when I'm doing well, um, making sure that I am, uh, taking time in the morning, um, to pray. I usually, um, have some sort of, uh, reading plan that I'm going through, like, um, scripture or like some devotional, um, I've tried to lately, uh, curate like my podcast, um, and do like less of like Joe Rogan and more, uh, um, kind of like, uh, biblical nonfiction, I guess, or just like people, you know, encouraging stuff, basically, uh, things that'll actually get me thinking about good things. Cause there's, a, there's, there's plenty of, of bad out there right now. There's plenty of negative stuff to focus on. So yeah, absolutely. really trying to listen to things that'll actually get me motivated that way. Um, there's like a few, my, uh, I listened to my parents, uh, my parents have a really awesome church in Columbia, South Carolina, or they go to, um, nice. So I listen to their sermons and then me and my, uh, my parents kind of talk about it and, then man, like probably the biggest thing that that helps uh, my mental health lately is there's a, a group of um, my boys in recovery. Like every Sunday at twelve thirty, we go play disc golf and we just talk. Oh, seriously? Um, it's a great. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah, man. man, that's go play what? It, it really is disc golf. Oh, disc, disc golf. We were just call talking. It yeah. I was just talking about this, but um, man, that's awesome. And and it's amazing how this interview is going because you're giving me these segues you're basically now, walking into the you're next you're walking thing on right into it like stepping you know on a rake <laughs> um but uh people might be asking themselves right now listening to us why why oh why did we have jet on for the christmas show what, what does this have to do with christmas well my <laughs> if you don't know and because we didn't properly introduce it uh Jed's podcast, and as you can have already learned, his his recovery is spiritual, uh, religious based. I'll call it, and you can cor- correct my nomenclature on that. But faith based, I think, is a way. And I was very interested in this, and I thought, um, who better to hear from but uh, Rev Jed uh, about these? You know, what is twelve step? You know, faith based. Um, I'm a Christian myself. Uh, I won't bore you with all, all of my details, but I've I've never gone in fully on a on a twelve step that is specifically faith based. But I, I do church mm-hmm. and I do my recoveries like almost separately, which I've been excoriated for by various uh, uh, sponsors over the years by making them separate, you know. But I'm that's how I'm mm-hmm. comfortable, and so that's really what we wanted to do. Uh, I wanted Jed to maybe help our listeners understand what what is a, a faith based twelve step and what does that mean to you and uh, and how does G and this is going to be a real controversial one, Jed, and I'm excited for you to parse oh, this. Sure. Is it different uh, relying on Jesus than it is to rely on God, and um, and what does that mean to you? Is does that make a difference? Uh, and with that, so back to you, Jed. Tell us about the yeah, yeah. Stuff. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff there. So yeah, that's that was kind of why I started um, my podcast. And originally, it was me and my friend John, and we were both. Christians and we were both, um, alcoholics and drug addicts. Right. And so what we 
realized was that there was a ton that church could learn from AA and there was a ton that AA could learn from church. Right. And so we just kind of wanted to bridge that gap. My, my main goal, I think is the type of Christianity that I'm into is, is very inclusive. Um, Jesus is much less concerned with uh, cuss words and like what you do as opposed to like your heart and what, you know, what, what you're actually about. Mm-hmm. Um, and is there, is there a particular church I, that you belong to or, um, or a particular? No, uh, no, no denomination. denomination. No? Okay. No. Just a Christ. No, cloud. my, yeah. um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, at different points in my life, there definitely would have been a, uh, a different answer. Like I was raised Presbyterian, but so, so many people I've encountered, like, hate this, like Christianity is completely misrepresented by its dumbass followers yeah. and people in America. <laughs> right. So, so, so many people hate, hate this religion that I also hate. And so that's, you know, it's so hard to word, but it's like, okay, like people like, and I, I do, I do groups like this all the time. Cause I'm really, I'm really interested in what people believe about God and where they got that belief. And cause most people, when you ask them, do you believe in God? Uh, it'll either be a canned answer of like, yes, I believe this, 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 and this. And if you press them for questions on that, they're really not even sure why they believe that, or it usually defaults to, Oh, this is what I was taught in Catholic school. This is what I was taught. in so-and-so, mm-hmm. you know, cause uh, oftentimes we will, I will get the pushback of like, well, I, I don't believe in God. Cause I don't, I can't believe a God that would take my mother from me when I was 13. And it's like, well, Hey, yeah. I don't believe in that God either. <laughs> yeah. You know, val- that's, that's a valid that's critique. Not, um, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I get that all the time. Like, how could God do this to me? How could he let this, let this happen? That's like, well, Hey, yeah. You, what if I told you that you could believe these things and still have those questions? What if, what if I told you that like, you know, the Bible is full of worse people than we will will ever be. I mean, awful, awful, awful people. Uh, and that's, and people that didn't believe and people that questioned and people that, people that were literally hanging out with, with this Jesus dude for years. And then we're like, uh, you know, I mean, I saw you do some cool stuff, but like, can you tell us again? Are, are you sure you're really God? Like, I don't really believe you. And then as soon as he died, they're like, Oh yeah, dude, screw that guy. I didn't even know him. So, I mean, like these are, these are not, these are not good people. And, if you actually take the time to kind of look into it, um, I, I thoroughly believe it, it can be a, a faith um, that you don't have to be stupid and blindly buy into, right? And the the you know a lot of people don't enjoy this fact, but you know the twelve steps are um, among other things they're you know biblically founded. Um, I mean they're kind of common common, uh, ancient things like confession, uh, humility, um, you know, they're not, they're not unique. Right. But a lot of them, you know, in the, in the specific language, it was very Judeo Christian oriented. So, um, you know, the program is designed to fit whatever faith you choose to insert it into. Um, and for me personally, it, it just turned out to be, uh, Christianity and specifically, Jesus. Right. And for me, I think it would just be from specific spiritual experiences that I attribute to Jesus. Right. The, the other thing, um, I have let go of this certainty of other people's, you know, this is kind of addressing the, is there a difference between Jesus and God? Mm-hmm. Right. And this, this, that's probably the one I've wrestled with. Um, the most um yeah, it makes a big difference especially I yeah so, i mean so, well, and i used it. to be yeah and i i used to be 
I think kind of brainwashed into the, you're either in or you're out. And, Oh, if you, if you didn't say this magic combination of words, then up oh, bummer, you're going to hell. Yeah. And I think the biggest, one of the biggest changes came to me when, when I realized like the lack of biblical evidence for an actual, uh, eternal place of fire that you're tortured forever and ever. Like With the God that loves actually you. Actually not really. Tortures you forever. Yeah. 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 Uh, God has to save me from himself. It's We're like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> like right. what? Not, what, not uh, logical. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 And, and we take that approach, I think a little bit, I mean, towards AA also, I mean, um, and the way that we, I've grown from where we, I started in AA, but I'm also, I'm, I'm also interested to know how you marry your, like, cause you know, AA, like you said, it's a faith-based program. Um, uh, people don't like to say that. And, you know, but as you said, that's what it comes from. I mean, they have distanced themselves with some of the language in order to broaden their audience and save more drunks, which I think mm-hmm. is a great idea. Um, I, I do too. But I wonder, is AA an NA type of thing? Is that enough faith for you or um you know when you do your uh spiritual work when it's not just like regular church are you like reading books that specifically like tie 12 steps into faith or are you kind of putting it together you know from the two different worlds kind of like what i'm doing kind of putting it together right so it basically it's just i I work the program as it is and whenever whenever it's talking about higher power like i I just have a specific higher power in mind right and this is kind of the perfect platform to to share one of my probably most controversial things um this is it this is it no better place (laughs) okay so the idea of i think the whole um create your own conception of God thing has gotten very twisted over the years. (laughs) And in today's Western culture of, um, there is only, there's no such thing as objective truth and everything is what you make it. And you, 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 and Oh, if something doesn't sit right with you, Oh, well then obviously it's the, the, text or whatever that is wrong. It can't, you know, cause everything has to sit perfectly well with me. And if it doesn't, I can just choose to do whatever. So if, you know, and this is the book's own language, if selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of my problems, then what are the chances that a God of my own conception is essentially going to be me? <laughs> yeah. Right, like yeah. odds are, that's, that's I am probably just going to create something that will validate any and every decision right. I want to make. Yeah, if you can pick your own God, you know, well, this God, you know, lets me uh, socially do heroin just on the weekends. Exactly, exactly. Or like he wants me to sleep with newcomers, right. like because yes. he understands. Yes. Yeah, that's that's definitely so, interesting, right? Yeah. And I, so, and while I wholeheartedly, the, the move to add that, to make it more inclusive is incredible. And one of the best parallels I've, I've heard and I always screw it up, but it's essentially like, um, it, like your, I always screw this up, but it's such a good parallel. But if like, there was this girl that is like your future wife, but you would have never talked to her because the word around campus was that she was a huge slut. And so like you never talked to her, but really it's like once you get, once you got to know her, you realize that none of that was true sort of thing. So it's like people come into this with a huge, a huge, huge resentment towards God or this like specific idea of God. So yes, you need to take a look at what, isn't working, leave that behind. Um, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. And so while, yes, I think that means like, for instance, like my, my initial conception of God was very much that like he hates sinners. I'm a sinner. Therefore you're going to hell. (laughs) That, that sort of thing. That was a conception I had to get rid of. Right. It was, it was not, 
um, you know, uh, one, one thing my sponsor and what I get my sponsor used to do now is past associations and present choice. So it's like write down your past associations with God and then what is your present choice going to be? And that's basically looking at, you know, what are the, ne- what, what things are harmful and what is useful that you want to continue with or, or expound upon. Right. Um, and obviously my conception of God is going to be changing, but it seems to me that there, there's already a pretty good amount of frameworks out there. Um, that, that it's unnecessary to start from scratch, I guess. And it's, I don't know, there, there just seems to be some, and I guess this is just purely my opinion, but it, like the kind of amorphous, like amoeba, like spirituality, that's not very clear or specific or personal a group of that drums. just never worked. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, I don't know. It just never worked for me. Right. And that's, that's just me. So if you look at where American society is right now and, you know, they've done polls and they've done surveys and organized Judeo Christianity is, is sort of on the decline in America while this sort of inchoate spirituality that you were referring to is sort of on the rise. So, you know, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. that people are rejecting the idea of higher powers or spirituality, but maybe they're not so comfortable with the, the framework or the scaffolding of, you know, Judeo-Christian America or Judeo-Christian sure. as they understand it. So, sure. I mean, I'm, no, I from agree. my perspective, it's like what you, you have a recovery program. If you want the if the program is grounded in spiritual principles, then there has to be flexibility. You have to allow people to come in there with their own conception of spirituality or else you're going to end up catering only to a, a smaller group of people who, yeah. who believe in, in a certain type of framework. And, you know, that, yeah. that, that's a concern to me when, when I hear people start talking about like, you know, God and, and having to sort of pick one that's already there, you know, that already has a framework because something that isn't you, they yeah, say. Anything well, I mean, something that fine, I, I get that part, anything but that you, part right. doesn't, you know, bother me at all. Um, cause you know, the first few steps, it's higher power, right? It's not God, but then God kind of comes in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They pop to God. So what, so you, Jed, you see, I'm sure you see a lot of people and, you know, that come in that you deal with that don't have a spiritual background. What, how do you find that they engage with 12 step? And do you find that it's, oh, it's that, they, that their level of success is it, it, within the 12 step framework is less be, and do you think it's because they don't have that grounding in spirituality? I that's think a tough question. there is, Oh, I, I don't know. I think there is a, um, a level of addiction and alcoholism that you will not recover from without spirituality. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say that you know. full stop. Yeah. And do you, um, do you see the need that spirituality has to be tied into recovery? Because I consider myself a spiritual person. You know, I, I have a, I have my own, spirituality, right? It's, I was raised a Catholic, but I'm not, I don't, wouldn't identify no, as a Catholic No, you do more today. like meditating Buddha yeah, connecting I, with the universe I have stuff. more yeah. of a, well, you know, I, I believe in, in God. I believe we're all spirit souls, right? Not but to I, trivialize your beliefs, you know, but <laughs> it's that wacky meditating stuff, right? <laughs> well, I mean, there's a long history of, of meditation in, in Christianity too. I mean, the early church fathers and, you know, all that. Absolutely. And, you know, so uh, I wouldn't say it's- And a, crystals, I found out. Mm, really? That one I that, did not. That's been a, I, I didn't either, but they're actually in the Bible. That was a shocker to me the other day. I mean, but that's a complete- Yeah, that's that. A, <laughs> that we'll save that one for the- uh, I need some more power <laughs> crystals. Yeah. That I am running low on power crystals. Um, um, but, but so it's like, you know, but I, but I would never go walk I, into a 12 step program and, and say that I believe in, you know, I, I, the best I could do, I think where I'm coming from now is, um, that God exists. 
Hey, that's <laughs> beyond yeah. that. I don't know nothing, anything. Hey, there's no, nothing and, small about that, though. The fact that you know you're coming along, we're bringing him along, Jed. He's, he's getting there. Well, I mean, I've, no, you know, I'm going to baptize no, him on the air. Believe me, <laughs> baptize him on the air. <laughs> that's in a especially from from a, a clinical perspective. Like, I'll get sued if I'm if I come out there saying like, Hey, you need to believe in Jesus. Like, no, sir. Can't <laughs> no, do that. No, no baptizing going on. In um, and I, recovery rooms. Yeah. Oh, and, and it's just ineffective. Right. And, and here's, and, and kind of going back to you, like, does it matter Jesus or God? Like what, if, if what I believe is true, then he, you know, truth doesn't need to defend itself. So like, if there is like this truth, then everyone every seeker will eventually get there. And mm. C.S. Lewis had a great uh, example in the last battle, like the last books of the Chronicles of Narnia. There was basically um, this soldier for the, the evil side and he died and he finds himself in heaven. And he's like, what's the deal? And he's like, I thought, you know, I was against you that whole time. And he was uh, the God character was essentially like, every time you pray to your God, you were praying to me, you just didn't know it. Mm. And so it's kind you know, and, and, and so I realized the absolute potential uh, arrogance of, and this, this goes into that in or out thing where it's like, see, like this is the right thing. And I'm, I'm not making that claim, but what, and it's like, I could be wrong, but whatever it is, if there is such a thing as God, then I would imagine, um, if you are seeking, truly seeking with an, with an open mind, then you will, you will find, mm. you know, whatever that looks like. And so that's usually where I start with people that struggle with spirituality is like, okay, because everyone has faith and belief, whether they know it or not. Faith right. Everyone has these like, <laughs> but yeah, how, absolutely. How many real, how many real committed was, atheists are there out there? I don't know. I, I can't imagine. It's I don't point. think many. Um, but uh, Jeb, but I don't it, think many. This that that actually is perfect, and it leads me to this other question I, I wanted to put to you. It has to do with the spiritual experience. Anybody who's spent any time uh, in recovery in the rooms or in patients or has been forced there has read about this. It's the spiritual experience. Um, everybody, ha- I've has a different the, like the spiritual awakening the, that the you're spiritual to have, awakening the experience yeah. that you read about and um, for a long time I was you know waiting like when am I going to have this experience when is that white light moment going to hit me you know and like I had a sponsor who went to uh, he, he got sober he was in his 50s first time he went away he said he was doing yoga up there and he had a spiritual experience and hasn't had a drink since it's been years and um, and I was always hoping uh, that, you know, because that's the way I imagined it. Now, a very wise uh, sponsor of mine, I've had a few, but this one was particularly wise. He said, did you read the spiritual, the appendix? I think it's appendix two, uh, the spiritual uh, experience. Yep. And Variety, spiritual experience. Yes. Gradual and, versus instantaneous. Right. And that's where actually Bill had come later after the book had been published. And when he had heard people were sort of misunderstanding the spiritual experience thing, he took time to write that appendix and he goes on to explain, you know, mostly it's an educational spiritual experience. It happens over time. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I wonder and for apparently you. Apparently he it, Yeah. Oh no! Go ahead. Sorry, I, I, well, I, I was I, just a, as a side note. You know, when he started getting investigating into LSD, one of the reasons that he he, Ooh, he yeah, one of the reasons he was thinking of oh, interjecting yeah. it into the program was so that people could have that spiritual the spiritual experience. experience. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I mean, do apparently you, he was so gung ho about it, he, <laughs> he wanted to like add that into some literature, but everyone was like, "No, man, that's a bad <laughs> idea." But no, and uh, apparently some some more um some more history on, on that uh spiritual experience is apparently he was kind of um vehemently telling like the first 100 like this is this is what must happen for you to get sober mm-hmm. and it wasn't happening and mm-hmm. people um i want to say it was like i don't know maybe three or four out of the first 100 and um they actually said that the people that were having these crazy spiritual experiences were people were wet brain people essentially, <laughs> which was interesting. People, people that had serious, um, they were like 
too, that were like too far gone. Those are the people that were having these experiences and kind of snapping back to life, which is interesting. But so he, he actually, Bill was like, yeah, no, this is the way. And they came back uh, and we're like, ah, this isn't working out. And he was like, okay, well then maybe perhaps it's something that that happens over time. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had, I've had both. I had, you know, I've had, um, one, there was one time in my life when I had a, a spiritual experience that completely removed the obsession to use like supernaturally. Wow. Um, and I blew that because I completely turned it into cocksured yes. arrogance and I'm invincible. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, pretty much. I was like, I was really, really arrogant about it, and I ended up relapsing. And, and since that time, that's never happened again. But um, I, you know, I've had, it seems like an early, early sobriety. I had pretty intense, um, spiritual experiences and they weren't so much like life changing. Um, they're so hard to explain, but it, you know, it would it'd just be like a weird, uh, sixth sense feeling of something outside of yourself is happening. Um, and the longer I've been in recovery, those seem fewer and far between. And it's almost like, um, it's almost like God knew for me that I needed that early on, but I'm, I'm kind of expected to be, uh, an adult, so to, so to speak about it now and kind of rely more on, you know, in the, in the Bible, very clear on like, you know, um, blessed are those that believe that haven't seen even more mm. so like it's no big deal to kind of believe if, if you've had it shown to you but the the bigger challenge is, is people that believe without seeing and so it's you know i kind of get these small moments um of either working with sponsees uh working in sessions or, or having really good groups like i'll just kind of have these moments where where things happen and in that moment, I, I attribute it to God. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what this was. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it does seem to be much more common, um, to have, uh, the awakening of, of the, the educational variety or the vocational variety where you work for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think definitely, you know, you talked about how the addicts you deal with is like dealing with children. And that kind of uh, hits on a point that it's something I've been mulling over in the past couple of months. Uh, you know, the longer I stay clean, the more like my brain is mulling over my the last 10 years of my life and remembering experiences, things people said, reading books, and I'm reprocessing kind of the way I see things, you know, on a regular basis. I think that's called bipolar, but that's me. And, um, <laughs> but I've been really sticking on one top, one thing, a theme lately of maturity. And I always want to be careful not to like minimize, you know, addiction and by um, reducing it to maturity. But I really have been reflecting on my life and I feel more mature. Like for me, it, it feels as simple as, man, uh, a lot of those impulsive, destructive decisions that used to drive me, like the second I think about cocaine, I must go get it. You know, the fact that I don't have those same impulses to me feels like I'm an adult. I mean, I'm 42. I should have been an adult a long time ago, but I mean, only in the last like six months or so, maybe a year, have I really felt like I'm not um, faking it as an adult. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's, that's probably, I mean, it's, it's really kind of like an arrested development thing. I mean, they say you stop, uh, you stop emotionally maturing uh, at the, like whatever age you started using at, uh, basically. Yeah. That's where you stop maturing. Yeah. It it makes sense. Uh, In my experience, it's absolutely accurate. Yeah. Yeah, And that's wild. And And, it's this perpetual adolescence. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's, it's almost like you're, you are, you know, we figured out a way how to play make believe as adults by, like living in this fantasy world where we can control how we feel, how we feel about other people, uh, you know, 
change the scenery, change our consciousness. I mean, it, it really is just like how kids, you know, would play pretend. Um, it's like we figured out a way to do that as adults. There's also a biological um, basis for that. I was reading uh, in the realm of Hungry Ghosts the, the other day. Nat and I are kind of working our way through that. And uh, he, he goes through the whole, um, there, there's, a, there's a long explanation that I don't really recall about how when you're using a certain age, your, your brain sort of fixes in certain, certain parts of the brain sort of fix at that level. And until you take the substance out, and then it takes a while to, to sort of bring yourself back up to speed, which I, I always assumed it was, it was um, you know, more a psychological issue, how, how you're, just, you're just sort of unable to sort of uh, develop emotionally because you were never really present emotionally. And I think that's part of it, but I was fascinated to see that there's sure. actually some biology behind that too. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, well, Jed, uh, I know that, you know, we were running about to the time where uh, we should be wrapping up for you. Um, we, this was a really great discussion. We could keep going on forever. It's one of those debates that is, is like, especially with a guy like Jed, anytime I've, I've listened to his podcast, I'm thinking to myself, man, this is a guy I can have a conversation with for a long time. Uh, and so any ending of this uh, interview is going to sound truncated and shortened. But I wanted to hit you before we let you go. I, uh, I wanted to hit you with one question um, that I, I always like to ask the, my guests, and that is, what were you doing the day after your last drunk? That's a good question. Is that our signature and question? Was, That's going to be my signature yeah, last sign- question. Signature Boom. last question. That is a good last question. I, uh, I was um, waking up uh, and going to the med line at Acadiana Addiction Center in Lafayette, Louisiana. Nice. Oh, man, and you made it. We're... Waiting on my Librium. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, Jed, this has been so great, man, and I thank you so much. And this is going to be a great – once we finally do the whole Festivus Spectacular, uh, this interview, Jed, is going to be the centerpiece. We are. This is the number one awesome. boom crowd attraction. So thank you so much for coming on. And, yeah, thank you. Um, I'm thanks, hoping... thanks for having me. Yeah, I Let's hope – yeah, I had a lot of fun, you guys. Great. All right. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. And a merry... All right. Sounds good. Merry, merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Right. You will. Festivus for the rest of us. Festivus <laughs> for the rest of us. All right. Talk to you later. <clears throat> so, hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Jed is quite a uh, interesting fellow. I hope he comes back on the podcast again. Yeah. Thank you, Jed. It was great to actually hear him, uh, hear his side and not just us babbling over him. And um, you know, hopefully, hopefully everybody got to hear all about uh, what he had to say. Yeah, we were able to keep our babbling in check somewhat uh, this time around, which you know for us is quite a feat, I would say. Well, um, thanks again for listening. Check out Jed on Church and Other Drugs. He's also got a great Patreon page, and um, go check him out. And I'd just like to say, everybody, be safe out there. Uh, and uh, happy new year soon yes. and a happy festivus for all of us right and all of us here wishing you the best and if, if things uh, get away from you this holiday season don't beat yourself up too much because we're not in this for perfection am i right as we say <laughs> non proficiat perfectum progress not perfection Uh, We'll see you next time, guys. Take care, folks. Try and stay off the naughty list. Bye. (laughs)